Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Ali Luke with me. Ali writes blog posts, nonfiction ebooks, and fiction. You'll find her work on lots of large sites like Copy Blogger, Write to Done, Men with Pens, and Pro Blogger. She loves working with writers to help them take their work further. Ali is the founder of Writers Huddle, a membership site for all who want to become better writers. Welcome. Thanks, George. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for being here today, Ali. I have read one of your blog posts that you have been writing since your early teens, but it's only in the last three years or last few years that you have taken writing seriously. What changed that made you take writing seriously? I think for a long time, I hoped that you know I'd finish a novel, I'd get an agent, I'd get a book deal, um, maybe I'd just become a full-time writer without perhaps having to put in a huge amount of work. And I think it's a nice dream. Um, but for a couple of years, I worked in IT, in tech support, and it really wasn't me. Um, it wasn't wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. So I decided that I, I kind of had to really, really sort of take it into my own hands if I wanted to succeed as a writer. And I was reading quite a few blogs at the time. And this was this was about 2007, so pro-blogging was just kind of becoming a thing. And I realized that, you know, I could succeed on my own as a freelancer. So I guess I made writing more of a priority in my life, and I also became a bit more businesslike about what I was doing with my writing. So what were some of the things that you have read that influenced you uh, around this time? Mm -hmm. uh, Pro-blogger was, was a big one. Daily blog tips, they were both uh, quite prominent blogs back then and obviously still are. Steve Pavlina, who I think got a lot of people into sort of blogging and working for themselves. I think he has a post along the lines of uh, 10 reasons why you should never get a job, which I found quite kind of inspiring and a bit of a challenge to me. Okay. And so how did you transition into a professional writer from that point? So for about six months, so the first half of 2008, I did some freelancing around my day job. So I was getting up early and, and working before my, my office job, which was sort of and a so nine-to-five job. How did you job. land those, those oh, okay. uh, freelance jobs? So uh, the first one was a bit of an accident. I sent a guest post to a, a blog in, in the niche that I was sort of blogging in at the time, and they not only took the guest post, they said that they would pay me to write for them. So that was a bit of an eye-opener to me. I'd, I'd imagined some different types of freelancing, but I'd not really thought about paid blogging. I hadn't even almost realized that existed. So, so it started with just one job almost by accident. Then I did some more guest posts. I got some more positions as a paid writer. And after about six months, I quit my day job and I was writing regularly for perhaps four or five different blogs at that point. So there are so many people that write, and they are not offered a paid position. So what made you different? Was it the quality of your writing, or was it your timing, or was it the sites? Uh, can you share that? I think it was probably some luck and good timing. I'd hope it was the quality of my writing. I've got a degree in English literature, and uh, about the same time that I, I started freelancing uh, full-time, I also took on a creative writing master's. So I've done a lot of writing uh, quite broadly. I think luck comes into it definitely, but also just putting yourself out there. You know, if I'd never sent off that first guest post, if I'd not had the confidence to do that, then I would never have got anywhere. So how much did you write at that point? Uh, was it just a couple of posts here and there, or was it really almost like a full-time commitment? 
Um, when I was working around my day job, I was writing, I think, a post five days a week on my own blog, and then probably two or three guest posts a week as well. So I had to be fairly disciplined with my time to, to fit that in around a day job. So what was your writing routine at that point? I mean, do you have a set of a time of the day that you stick to or can you can you share that? Sure. So at that point, I was writing sort of first thing in the morning before my day job. And I think that works for a lot of people, because when you come home in the evening, you've often not got much energy left to write. And I was also working a bit on the weekends. Um, these days, I, I write pretty much uh, full time uh, when I'm not looking after my little girl, Kitty. So I, I probably write for sort of three or four hours a day, but it, it varies when I do that, depending on my other commitments in the day. So do you look at a number of words uh, that you want to write so to, to say that you have accomplished your goals? Or is it, uh, is it more like, you know, I have to write these three posts, whatever it takes kind of uh, commitment? Sure. For me, it's more like I've got, you know, these posts to get done. I mean, sometimes I have deadlines for clients and so on. So, you know, it's not kind of negotiable. I need to get a post written for them. And I think that is an advantage of, of freelancing or any sort of writing where, you know, you have to get something produced. It really does push you to get it done and not procrastinate. So how do you market yourself as a professional writer and what takeaway can we can we take from that our audience if they want to, you know, also write for others? Well, one of the things, as I said, I did early on was write guest posts and that was partly to gain experience and to gain some writing credits. And it was useful when I could say, you know, I'd appeared on, on all these different big blogs. Also, with the guest posts, I could link back to my own site and the bio and so on. You know, and I'm sure that your listeners have kind of come across this idea before that you write a post for a, a bigger blog than your own and you get some attention and traffic and build up relationships through that. So for me, that was a, a really good way to market myself. Then over time, a lot more commissions came in through word of mouth and referrals and so on. Okay. Now, those sites that you wrote for, did they make a, a substantial impact in terms of your traffic? Were you looking at your own traffic, uh, how it grew, for example? Yeah, it definitely made a big difference, especially in the early days when you know I had a, a tiny handful of readers. It made a big difference to put guest posts out there. And even now, I still see a, you know, a significant bump in traffic when I write a guest post. Do you look at your traffic on a monthly basis or on a daily basis? Uh, how, how many visitors your uh, your sites get, for example? You um, know, I mean, I don't know if you want to, like the Writer's Huddle or, or Alley Ventures, for example. You know, it's, it's embarrassing. I don't even know at the moment. I've not been... In the early days, traffic was encouraging because it was pretty much the only stat I had. These days, it's more about, you know, am I meeting the goals I want to make, meet in terms of income? Mm -hmm. um, am I getting done the things I want to get done? I mean, to be honest, traffic alone doesn't really interest me because if the traffic's not converting, you know, I could have thousands of visitors from stumble upon, say, but they don't stick around. And if they never buy anything, that's not that useful to me. So my main focus has been on growing my email list in particular and and how much money is coming in, you know, through ebook sales, through Writer's Huddle, through my work with clients. Okay. So how did you start working with other writers? I guess I've always worked with other writers to some extent. So I've been in workshop groups for um, pretty much more than half my life now. So um, I'm nearly 30 and I was 14 when I joined my first workshop group. And 
at university as an undergraduate, I started a creative writing group with some friends, and then I took my master's in creative writing, worked alongside writers there. So it was a sort of natural progression to to make working with writers part of my business. And in fact, in 2010, so when I was about two years into my business, uh, a couple of people asked me if I did any mentoring or coaching. And it wasn't something I offered at the time, but I figured if people were asking for it, then it was worth trying. So, so for a couple of years, I worked with writers one-on-one coaching them. And uh, the reason you started Writer's Huddle, was it because it was just getting to you or you just wanted to do it more efficiently? Why, why did you start Writer's Huddle? The main reason was because coaching, I really enjoyed it, but it was it was not working out in some sort of practical way. So what I found about working with writers is that uh, writers often procrastinate, you know, they put off getting their writing done. So people often wanted to postpone their sessions. And and I was quite flexible about that. You know, I didn't want to be really kind of hard line and, and, you know, charge them if they cancelled or something. But it was becoming a bit more inconvenient to just kind of schedule things in effectively it was also the case that most of my blog readers couldn't afford my coaching I was charging uh, $79 for a 45 minute session which was was really about the least I could charge and make it effective for me because there was preparation time and admin and so on mm-hmm. but you know for a lot of new writers $79 is quite a big sum to spend so with writers huddle I charge uh, $19.99 a month and then People get access to me through the forums. Obviously, they can contact me by email and so on. They get seminars. They get mini courses. They get a lot of teaching from me. And it just meant that I could kind of scale it up. Plus, it was really nice to build a community of writers who, who help one another as well. And so how did you market Writer's Huddle? Especially during, I mean, you know, you started at about 2010, right? Writer's Huddle? So, no, it's been a bit more recent. So I think it was the very start of 2012 that I, I launched Writer's Huddle. I kind of wish I'd done it sooner. So it was 2012, so a couple yeah. of years ago. So what have you done to get the word out about it and market it? Initially, it was very much just getting the word out to my own blog readers and to my email list. So I have, I think, about sort of 3,000 or so subscribers to the blog, about the same to the email list. And obviously, those people kind of overlap a lot. I did some guest posts to kind of help promote it and drive traffic. And when I first launched it, I um, the price was a bit lower to sort of encourage people in at the start and just to get it going. And since then, I've raised the price a couple of times. And I've I've gone through periods when it's been closed for membership and then reopened so I could have a sort of proper launch of it. Um, I haven't probably marketed it as effectively as I'd, I'd like to. And something I've just done in literally the last couple of weeks is that I've launched a free e-course called On Track, which is a seven-week course that anyone can sign up for. And it's, a, it's basically a sort of introduction to the sort of material that they would get in Writer's Huddle. And with e- they get an email every week with the course material. And at the end, it tells them a little bit about Writer's Huddle and how they can join it if they want to. So it's quite a soft sell. But, you know, I hope that will encourage people uh, to give the membership site a go. So uh, talk about raising the price. How, how did you decide? I think it's a scary thing for a lot of membership sites to, to raise price. How did you decide what the price should be and when to raise it and how much to raise it? And what kind of feedback did you get from, from your members? 
Yeah, it's a tricky decision. So I always knew that I wanted the, the long-term price to be $19.99. I, I felt like pricing it just under $20. There was, you know, a kind of psychological benefit to keeping it lower than that. And, you know, to me, $19.99, it's not, it's not loads to spend every month. It's, you know, slightly under $5 a week, um, less than a dollar a day. It didn't seem like a lot to ask. Uh, so I started off at $14.99 a month and then went up to 17.99 and then to 19.99 uh with the third time I opened it. So the members who joined right at the start they're still paying 14.99 a month and I think that's an incentive to them not to leave uh <laughs> and come back at the higher rate and it also meant that I could I could really get a good core of people in right at the start and they helped shape the huddle and, and build the community and give me lots of new ideas. So how did you um was was Writers Huddle always a membership site? It was. Um some of the materials within the site, a couple of the e-courses were ones that I'd run as individual courses. So, you know, people paid $39 or so for the whole course. But then that was just a kind of, you know, 6-week, 8-week thing. And so how did you get the idea of making it a membership site as opposed to try to sell, you know, courses or seminars or webinars or whatever? Well, the one thing that I missed from my job in IT was having a regular monthly paycheck. And although I'd, I'd had some great ebook launches where it'd been, you know, good money in a short space of time, which was fun, I really wanted a bit more stability. And for me, a membership site was a good way to do that. So, you know, I, the money comes in every month. It's not a lot per person, but obviously it adds up as you get more members. I also saw more and more bloggers, particularly bloggers who were perhaps a bit a bit further along than me, doing membership sites. And I felt like this was probably the way forward. So when I first started out, e-books were all the rage. And then membership sites seemed to be the model that sites like, you know, Pro Blogger has a membership site, Copy Blogger has a membership site. So that seemed to be the way that the big guys were going. And I figured they probably knew something about doing good business. So what are some of the challenges of running a membership site that you, you have run into? You've got to keep producing content for the site. And so if I wrote an ebook, you know, I, I write the thing, I launch it and it's done. With the membership site, every month I do a new seminar. I maybe find different guest speakers to come on board. I have to go into the forums and answer posts. I really love doing it. But it's not something where you can just, you know, put it aside for five months and do something different or work on a different project. Um, the other challenge has been, to some extent, kind of marketing it effectively and knowing how best to do that, because obviously asking people to pay a monthly fee ongoing is a bigger commitment than asking them to just buy one ebook as a one-off. And one of the things I did to help with that was to offer a refund in the first month. So if somebody joins and they decide it's not for them, they can ask for a refund. And, you know, I don't ask any questions. They can, have, for all I care, they could have downloaded all the materials to read later. But... I've had very, very few refund requests, and I think it's helped people feel confident about giving it a go. So how did you get your writings on large sites like uh, Copyblogger, Write It Done? Was it through you know, ProBlogger or so on? Was it through networking, or did you just complete their form uh, and you know, submitted your work? I think it was it was a little bit of everything. Um, to some extent, once I'd got guest posts onto smaller sites, you know, I could point to those. So, copy blogger, I didn't target early on. Um, 
But I, I kind of got to know people there a bit. I think I'd left some comments and I'd written for sites that Copyblogger would at least have heard of. So I sort of worked my way up a bit. But in my experience of guest posting, it's really all about how good the writing is. And as far as I can tell, most sites don't care how big your audience is. They don't really care who you've written for. They just care, can you write a good blog post? And I'd like to think that I can. And it's been you know, really great to be featured on those big sites. But I think if anyone listening sort of feels that then, you know, are they ready to have a go? I'd say go for it. You know, the worst that can happen is they say no. And you might be surprised. You know, you might be more ready than you think. So what do you think is, um, and, and, and this is kind of a, a broad question, but, mm-hmm. you know, you look at a lot of really high traffic sites and a lot of the content is pretty vanilla. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, let, let's face it. And I'm, I'm not naming blogs here, just in general. Uh, you know, the seven secrets to this and the five ways of that, you know, and it, it doesn't look like great, great blogging, you know. So what do you think, if we want to really stand out, what do you think we want, we need to write to be noticed? It's a great question. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, certain types of content are tried and tested and they do work. So, you know, list posts might seem a bit overdone, but they can be quite effective. I think one really good way to produce something sort of truly valuable is to kind of ask yourself, you know, what do I wish someone would write? You know, what, what material would I find really useful? And then go ahead and, and write that and look at ways you can give extra value. So that might be writing a, a really in-depth long post. It might just be giving examples in your post. You know, sometimes posts can be quite general and a bit vague and giving some concrete examples or you know, maybe some screenshots, some quotes from other bloggers and so on can just really lift your post above the average and make it stand out. Okay. Um, how do you use Twitter to promote yourself and your writing? I used Twitter more when I started out, when you know I was building connections, I was getting to know other writers, and I found it a great way to network. I'm, you know, I'm a, a bit of an introvert. I don't tend to kind of go out to events and stuff very much. But Twitter is is very kind of low key. It's easy to easy to just sort of make a connection with someone, and it doesn't have to be like a big deal or scary or anything like that. And so, even quite... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt, but how do you network? So give us some mm. specific examples. Like, do you reach out to an editor? I mean, like like some tactical advice. Can you give us some tactical advice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Twitter. So one thing I do is to tweet other people's blog posts. It's It's very, very... Very, very simple, Um, but it's really effective. You know, if you tweet someone's post and if you do it several times of different posts of theirs, they'll notice you. Uh, Follow people who interest you, strike up a conversation, you know, watch what they're tweeting, reply to them. I think do it in a very genuine way, you know, just sort of behave naturally. (laughs) I don't think you have to have a really complicated kind of set of tactics. Mm-hmm. But just try and try and be yourself and be authentic and really try and look at helping other people before you ask for stuff. So, you know, tweet their posts, retweet their tweets. Uh, if they're asking a question, see if you can help them out, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then in terms of sort of self-promotion, you know, obviously I tweet about my own blog posts from time to time. I tweet about the Writer's Huddle. I tweet about my free on track course and so on. And um, these days, I don't use Twitter so much because I feel like I've built the business to a point where I'm I'm kind of quite happy and I'm not necessarily looking for so many new connections. But sometimes it's just a case of being in the right place at the right time. I think I landed a, a little speaking gig through Twitter um, 
at one point quite early on and it was just a small thing but it was just you know somebody tweeted looking for speakers and I said I'd be happy to do it and sometimes it's just a case of you're lucky you happen to be there when you know there's a good match between what you can offer and what someone else needs so when you when you write a blog post do you do you prefer longer more in-depth pieces or you don't really have a preference in terms of how long a blog post should be I think it's different for different blogs. It's very hard to say that there's a rule. Personally, I like to write longer posts, but that's not always the case. So on daily blog tips, for instance, uh, which I'm editor of at the moment, I, I write quite short posts because they're daily and people don't need you know huge amount of information in, in one go. On my own site, Ali Ventures, I maybe post once every two weeks and it's you know a longer, more in-depth piece. So I really think it depends on your blog and particularly the frequency of your posts. You know, If you're posting five days a week or seven days a week, people aren't going to want to read 2,000 words every time. So what do you read or do to help you with your writing, to improve your writing? I mean, you've been, read, uh, you've been writing since, you're, since you were a teenager, so mm-hmm. you have a lot of experience. But do you still polish your writing? Do you still learn? And, and if you do, what do you do? Absolutely. How do you do it? Um, I think you never stop learning as a writer. And some types of writing are, are you know, different from others, obviously. So I've, I've read a lot about writing fiction. Uh, which is a huge area and there's always new stuff to learn but then things like say writing a sales page is totally different so I read sites like Copyblogger has loads of really good advice Um, Write to Done is a is a great one for writers and there's there's a lot out there there's you know sites like Grammar Girl which can help you with the finer points of grammar Daily Writing Tips which is a sister site to Daily Blog Tips has lots of of sort of very good specific information on you know differences between different types of words common mistakes stuff like that so I mean these days I feel like the main thing I can do to help my writing is just you know keep writing and do more mm-hmm. of it yeah. but I think it's definitely worth you know for anyone listening subscribe to a few good blogs on writing and try and you know learn something new every week. So what is the biggest mistake you see writers make that prevents them from success? I think there's a lot of, a lot of mistakes you can make. I think probably the biggest is sort of telling yourself that you need to wait for the perfect moment because it it seems like the right thing to do sometimes, you know, life is busy or or you want to learn more about writing or about blogging or you know, whatever it might be. But if you wait, you know, you could just wait forever. Um, you kind of have to eventually sit down and start the actual writing. And there are some things that you can only really learn by actually doing them. And I think writing's one of those. You know, you can't you can't learn how to write just by reading books. You have to actually practice. You know, just like learning you know, learning to play the piano or something. You can't do it just by reading about it. So do you have any favorite plugins or, or programs that you use for writing? Do you use any tools like that? I have a I have a few, but to be honest, I think what's more important is you know you just you just kind of get on and write the words. I mean, there's no tool or plugin that's ever going to make writing you know magically super easy or you know going to make you into a brilliant writer overnight. I do find it sometimes helps to use a full screen writing program, and there are a whole bunch of different ones out there. I've used Darkroom for the PC. I think there's Write Room for the Mac. Uh, Scrivener, which is a really popular piece of writing software, has a sort of full screen editor. Even WordPress has a full screen editor. And these can just really help you kind of minimize distractions when you're writing. Um, to be honest, just turning off your Wi-Fi can probably do a lot more <laughs> than, uh, than many apps and, and tools and sort of 
and techniques and things. Uh, something I have found really helpful and that I do recommend to writers to at least try is to use a timer uh, when I'm writing, particularly if I'm struggling to focus. So you can do Pomodoros, which is 25 minutes of writing and then a five minute break. Or you can set a timer for, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you like. And just write while the timer's on and, and don't, you know, don't check your email, don't make a cup of coffee, just kind of get the writing done. And I think that works for about 90% of writers. The other 10% find that it just pressurizes them too much. But most people find it's a really, really effective technique for just sitting down and getting lots of writing done. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite book that helped you with your writing? Probably my favorite over, you know, all the time I've been writing is one I bought when I was when I was pretty young. I think I was 14 and I used my birthday money. So this is a uh -huh. long time ago. It's called How to Write a Novel and it's by Nigel Watts. And my copy is literally falling apart because I read it so many times. Um, it's just a very good kind of basic encouraging guide to how to write a novel. It kind of goes through things like characterization and dialogue and theme, plot. And it really helped me when I was getting interested in writing and you know starting to work on novels as a teenager and I think a lot of the advice uh, particularly around sort of things like self-confidence and motivation really helped me and applied to lots of different types of writing. So if you could train someone to be a successful writer what would be the first thing that you would teach that person? Well if it was something I could teach and I'm not sure this is something that can really be taught I'd teach them to kind of sit down and get on with the writing and not procrastinate <laughs> because I think that <laughs> that's the biggest barrier that I find writers facing and honestly you know however however bad or good you are at writing it doesn't really matter the more writing you do and the more you deliberately practice a particular technique or a particular type of writing the better you'll get and I think it, it is very, very easy to procrastinate on writing. It's a high energy task. But if you can just sit down and, and do it on a regular basis, doesn't have to be every single day, then you'll succeed. So, Ali, thank you very much for coming on Success Harbor today to share some of your wisdom about business and writing. How can people connect with you or find out more about some of the things that you do? Oh, thanks for having me. It's, I always love to chat about writing. Um, you can find me all over the place online. My website is aliventures.com. And I've also got Writers Huddle, the membership site at writershuddle.com. If you just Google Ali Luke, you'll, you'll find plenty of references to me around the web. <laughs> so, yeah, and I'm very happy to be contacted on Twitter as well, where I'm at Ali Ventures. Well, Ali, thank you very much. And everyone out there, check out either AliVentures.com or Writers Huddle or both. And say hi to her at AliVentures on Twitter. Thank you very much. Thanks, George.